Welcome to Warrior's Day Off, a podcast where we will share stories of life's unexpected struggles and conversations about the many faces of courage, strength, hope, and survival. So it's with an open heart, an open mind, and without judgment that we begin this experience together. I'm Jennifer Eby. Everyone has a story, and each is unique to their personal circumstances. At Warrior's Day Off, we are simply a safe place where guests and listeners can take a break from society's expectations or definition of what strong looks like, sounds like, and feels like. It's not our intention to provide medical or legal advice, nor to suggest that any one way is the right way. I'm inspired by these stories. Perhaps you will be too. Today's episode features the incredible story of Dr. Chris Nowinski, co-founder and CEO of the Concussion Legacy Foundation, a nonprofit organization leading the fight against concussions. The Concussion Legacy Foundation's mission is to support athletes, veterans, and all affected by concussions and chronic traumatic encephalopathy known as CTE. CTE is a progressive degenerative disease of the brain found in people with a history of repetitive brain trauma. It was once thought to be unique to boxers, but now has been identified in many different athletes having suffered multiple concussions, as well as in military personnel after repeated blast injuries. Our guest, Dr. Chris Nowinski, was an all-Ivy defensive tackle for Harvard University's football team, graduated cum laude in 2000, and became a professional wrestler for the WWE. Despite being symptomatic after a kick to the chin in 2003, Chris continued to wrestle and work out for five weeks. He developed post-concussion syndrome and was forced to retire. In one meeting with the renowned neurosurgeon, Dr. Robert Cantu, his eventual Concussion Legacy Foundation co-founder, Chris realized the lack of awareness among athletes, coaches, and even medical professionals not only cost him his career, but also threatened the health and well-being of athletes of all ages. This led him to write the book, Head Games, Football's Concussion Crisis, in an effort to educate the world about this serious public health issue. Chris earned his doctorate in behavioral neuroscience from Boston University School of Medicine and has authored more than 30 scientific publications. Joining us today via Zoom is Dr. Chris Nowinski. Welcome. Thank you, Jennifer. Would you start us out by sharing your personal experience with concussions and what was the catalyst that began your tireless mission and life work of advocacy, education, and research? So it, it was the what, what you talked about in my bio. I had this concussion, which was my second in a couple of months, neither formally diagnosed in 2003 with WWE. And I just didn't know I was supposed to tell people how terrible I felt. And I thought I was supposed to hide it because I had to work. And I and I hit it and um, was was not honest with people. And it led to, you know, well, permanent symptoms. And I, while I was trying to get better, uh, you know, I met Dr. Cantu and he, you changed my entire perspective with a simple question of like, how many concussions have you had before this one today? And I said, zero, because I'd never been diagnosed. And he said, well, how many times were you hit in the head and you blacked out or saw stars or were dizzy or confused, double vision or ringing in your ears? And I was like, that's all the time, buddy. <laughs> that's sports. And he said, uh, well, that's uh, concussions by another name. And, and with that definition, how many have you had? And it was just like ticking them off, ding, 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 ding. And he's, and I just couldn't believe it. I didn't know the definition of a concussion. 
And he told me, and you know, there's consequences of that, especially if you don't let them recover. And, and I couldn't believe I didn't know that. And he's like, and there might be long-term effects. And I was like, what? And I, you know, looking back, logically, I should have assumed this, but I just, it never crossed your mind when you're in that culture bashing your head all the time. And so uh, when I learned I was one of, you know, hundreds of his patients and all these pro athletes have all done the same stupid thing. Uh, I thought we can change this. This is a cultural problem. We just have to tell people these are serious. You treat a head injury like you would a neck injury. It's not being a hero to play through a neck injury. You might be paralyzed. You don't do it with head injuries either. Um, but that it, the, what started as an idea of like, hey, I'm just going to tell people the truth so they don't make the mistake I did, you know, just kept snowballing into something bigger and bigger and uncovering more and more. And here we are, you know, 18 years later, you know, with a brain bank with a thousand brains and international, you know, uh, explosion of research on, you know, the fact that this stuff is very real. There, there have been some high profile cases of professional athletes. Um, one even just this week that, that was in the paper, the, the hockey player, um, Mark Pavlich, I think, who, who died, died by suicide. Is there a proven connection now like between CTE and an increased risk of suicide? Yeah. And so there was another one this morning, if you saw an NFL player killed five people, including two children before oh, killing yourself. Yeah. 30th, uh, retired five years ago and had a concussion history. So, um, so no, I think it's an important thing for people to appreciate is that CT is not a death sentence and it doesn't mean you're going to, you, you, you need, you're going to kill yourself or you need to kill yourself. Um, the, the reality is brain injury itself is does double your risk of suicide. And most people who have CT have had brain injuries. But uh, again, that's still a small fraction of people. Um, with CTE, the way we'd like to talk to people about it is, um, you know, late end stage CT, you're talking about it looking like Alzheimer's disease, dementia, and suicide isn't much of a problem there. And it isn't in Alzheimer's either um, for various reasons. The issue is people have midlife symptoms that include depression, anxiety, aggression, impulsivity. That population um, often dies by suicide, but it may not be CT that's driving that, right? It may be the symptoms you're feeling that are horrible. It may be how those symptoms affect your life, affect your family. Um, and so the message we have to people is don't, if you're having those symptoms and you've been exposed to brain injury, seek help and get treatment because with proper treatment, and you might have to try multiple things, like it's not easy, uh, you can get better and you will get, and we've pulled many people out of these spirals that go on and, and do great. So, but it can lead to crisis. And so the key is understanding that seeking help, getting through the crises, uh, because it's it's it may not be you know it, it doesn't have to end that way, right? And have you seen it in as young as seventeen year olds? We've seen the disease in people who've died at seventeen. We've seen the disease in people who died in their twenties who stopped playing sports at thirteen. Um, yeah, I mean it, the issue with CT in sports is that it starts very young. Uh, and then just slowly progresses the rest of your life in almost all cases. You and your foundation have actually made a lot of progress with sports, haven't you? Some of your initiatives. Would, would you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So we've, uh, yeah, so we, we've been able to leverage identifying CT in certain sports to reforming those sports. And, and, and basically what we're learning is that CT is not a consequence of a single concussion in the absence of other brain trauma, because everyone has in the world has had a concussion. But if you don't, 
you get exposed to a lot of expo- uh, hits to the head. Almost no one gets it. Uh, the key is it's those those hundreds or thousands of hits. And so, but CT has also inspired changes in how we handle concussions. So one advancement is that we have concussion protocols everywhere and mandatory concussion education, but that's not necessarily a CT prevention system. What will prevent future cases of CT are changes like when we found CT in soccer, we got U.S. soccer to ban heading for kids before 11. When we found CTE in ice hockey, soon after they raised the age of checking from 11 to 13 in USA hockey, um, you know, the NFL stopped hitting in practice. Uh, you know, we're, we're seeing uh, changes to reduce people's exposure to head hits. And it's it, I'm glad to see it. It's not enough yet. But especially with kids, I'm glad to see those uh, reforms. They need, they need to be even stronger and probably till at least age 14. Yeah, there's also, I think you were, there was part of one of the, was the the flag football for 14, right? right? Was That was another so one? We are, yeah, and this is for all this. We are aggressively encouraging parents, if you want your kid to play football, to wait until high school for tackle, to choose flag instead. Myriad reasons, you know, one of which is, our studies on hundreds of football players shows your odds of developing CT go up significantly each year you play. And so the problem isn't necessarily football. It's too much football. And so like the ideal football career for, you know, the risk benefit is probably two years, right? Like you get, you learn a lot in two years, but you aren't, you're very unlikely to have CT. But once you get into near double digits years, we see CT in a lot of those people. And so uh, we, the, if you want your kid to play football, the best thing you can do for them is wait because the, the real risk is you start your kid young and they're good and they like it. They may play through college. And if you start at five and play through college, I don't know if we have a negative case of CT. Yeah. Wow. CT can only be diagnosed after you've died or is there a way to diagnose it while you're still alive? There is no... Um, you know, evidence-based way to diagnose it while you're alive. So you can go to a clinician and they might tell you, I think this could be CTE, but uh, based on some things that, that, that we can see. But part of the reason we have this brain bank is that we go back to the families, we get medical records, we get their history, and we're trying to understand what's predictive in symptoms about that, that would lead to a CT diagnosis just like they have with Alzheimer's disease. Like if you go to a doctor and they say you have Alzheimer's disease, they're only right like 70% of the time. A lot of times there's other things going on in your brain, but you can't know till you, you die. We don't even have the evidence to say we could be 70% right with CT. And so therefore it prevents us from telling anyone they, that we think they might have CT because we want to be responsible and not be wrong and know that we're not being wrong very often. So we just have to do the work. And that's partially why we, um, you know, are out there trying to, you know, constantly banging the drum to say, hey, look, look, you know, it, we're all going to die and it sucks that we lose loved ones. But if we support brain donation, we will have better answers faster and, and many of those answers while we're still alive and can benefit. And so we're trying to just build this much larger CT research infrastructure so that we can get diagnostics faster. And when we have diagnostics, we'll have treatments faster. How, how does one go about signing up to donate their brain? Are you looking only for certain types? Are you looking for people who are athletes or veterans or like, would you want mine? So um, to, to, to donate, we, we encourage everybody to sign up to pledge. You can go to, uh, you know, regular folks can go to regular folks, non-military can go to concussionfoundation.org. Uh, military 
active and, and, and retired military and veterans can go to projectenlist.org because um, we're, we're really digging in on our uh, trying to understand this in the military population. And it's just a, it's a non-legally binding, you know, series of uh, a commitment, series of questionnaires. You get, you get a brain donation card and a brochure to explain everything. And that um, you, and the key is you tell your family, these are your wishes and hope they follow through the, the, um, the question about how, you know, whether or not your brain will be donated, we can't answer today. So we do need, we always need controls who haven't been exposed. We always need people at high risk. You know, the you know, athletes who played a lot of contact sports, veterans who've been exposed to a lot of injury. We don't turn any veterans away right now. The question will become, if we get too many brains, we might not be able to take certain types in the future. So we can't guarantee in the future, our criteria won't change. Um, so the, the reality is not even knowing your history, Jennifer, we would be honored if you wanted to pledge your brain to the research. Because again, part of this is just raising awareness that this is important. Uh, and I don't ever want to see you pass away. I don't ever want to see your brain studied. Uh, but but we would love Thanks. you know your pledge uh, to help set the example. Your research has been expanded to include military veterans. Would you tell us about your alliance with the Wounded Warrior Project? Right. So so um, less few less than two years ago, we realized that um, you know our our brain bank, which initially started with athletes, is actually at the VA Boston. Uh, so the scientists working on our VA employees. And, and so we have always gotten some military donors in through various things. Uh, a lot of them were athletes who also happened to serve. But we realized that um, we had a, a number of brains donated from veterans who fought in OEF, OIF in Iraq and Afghanistan and, and found that a lot who were exposed to blast and died young had CTE. And we realize that this is something that's, you know, we, while we talk about traumatic brain injury and PTSD, we don't talk about CT in this population as much. And part of it is because we don't know as much. We haven't seen the hundreds of cases like we have with sports, but we basically know it's out there and it's affecting people. And so the, the, the way to both prove it's a problem and in use that proof then to leverage resources and support for families is to identify cases through the brain bank. And so we created a push called Project Enlist to invite uh, donors or uh, uh, veterans to, to sign up to pledge their brain. And, you know, because the other reason that we need them to sign up in advance is because the part of the reason we've been so successful in getting certain populations' brains, like NFL players, is when an NFL player dies, it's news within hours. And I can actually track down the family and coordinate the brain donation within the 48 hour window we have. And it's not the same thing for, for regu- not famous folks. And so, so people do need to sign up in advance. And we are very honored to partner with uh, wounded warrior project um, who is now a powering project in list. Uh, so we're helping spread the word, let people know, go to projectlist.org and pledge. We're also launching when coincided with that operation brain health, so we talked about earlier that concern about what's going to happen to me. We want to remind folks that, again, even if you've been exposed, you still control most of your brain health in your future, right? You're still in the driver's seat. And there's a lot of things you can do to ensure that you, uh, that, you know, even if you've had brain injuries, that they're not, you know, that, that you can still live the life you want to live. And so the, Operation Brain Health will be uh, announced shortly and uh, have a lot of videos from military experts on what you what you can do today to make sure that you end up having the healthiest brain you can. 
What type of support is available through the Concussion Legacy Foundation? Yeah, the Concussion Foundation, uh, the Concussion Legacy Foundation helpline uh, is designed to give. It, we, we constantly used to have people reaching out saying, you know, I've had a bunch of concussions. I have these symptoms. You know, what do I do? Because this is not. The, the medical community is not very sophisticated in terms of their understanding and treatment of CTE. And then with concussions, everything's changed in the last 10 years. And so your average doctor may not be a great, uh, you have great experience with the concussion, but there are now clinics that have wonderful experience with the concussion. So our, the first and most often thing we do is we provide medical referrals to people with experience that you just may not know they're out there, but they can help you if you're talking about the concussion issue. And same with CT, if you're worried about CT, we, we're building a network of referrals. So basically just about everywhere, we can find somebody who will give you your best shot at effective treatment. We also provide a lot of education through it to help people understand, you know, are, are they really at risk for CTE or how can they, again, focus on brain health or live their best life with it? And then one of the special things we do is we do a lot of peer support partnerships. So we'll match people up with people who have been through what they've been through gotten through it, feel good about it and want to give back and help that next person. Cause every time you're going through, whether it's a concussion or brain injury issue, or even worried about CT, you think you're alone. You don't in your network, there's probably not somebody who's been through it, but there are lots of people out there have been through it and they are eager to help people not feel alone and share their experience to help you feel better about your symptoms, manage your symptoms, adjust your life to, uh, cause your, your symptoms might force some, some changes. But um, yeah, so the, the helpline and, and what's great too is our partnership with the Wounded Warrior Project is, especially for folks who've served, um, there's a whole slew of resources through Wounded Warrior Project that we are to have a direct line into now. So if you reach out to our helpline and Wounded Warrior Project has something that can help you, which they almost always do, we can connect you there as well. That's great. Um, what would you say is still the biggest misconception about concussions and sports and safety? Um, so I think the, the new misconception is that concussions and CT are related and one and the same. Um, so again, it's important to appreciate that concussions in the absence of other hits don't cause CTE. It's something about getting hit in the head over and over again that triggers it. Concussions might be more contributory than a hit that doesn't cause symptoms, but every hit counts. Uh, and so therefore the strategies we use to prevent bad outcomes in both are, are different, but almost always involve prevention first, don't get hit in the head, and then recognition of, of symptoms and getting proper medical care. Is there anything else I haven't asked you about that you would like to share? That's a, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> you know, I guess, well, what, one thing that's special about Project Enlist we haven't gotten into specifically is that, you know, again, we ask people to pledge, but we don't, it's not them. We want to end up in the brain bank. We're really trying to build a surveillance network into the community. So if you've pledged your brain, you care about this enough that you're thinking about it. And when, you know, unfortunately, again, we're all going to lose people we love, but if you lose someone you love and they've served, you might be the person to say, Hey, you know, we can contribute to something here that will help other veterans. And we, you know, would you consider a brain donation? And that's actually how we're getting most of our military cases. It's not the people who've pledged. It's the, it's the, it's the 
people who are one degree of separation away from people who've pledged. And so if you are thinking about pledging, I would think, think, you know, suggest thinking about your, your role as that, you know, it's a great chance to give back to the people you served with and um, you know, the, the people are going to follow you. Um, but it's, it, again, I want all my pledges to live forever. I want them to be, you know, get on our operation brain health mailing list and learn how to live, you know, that, that best life for them. But um, be aware and also, again, provide the helpline to their friends and family. But if you do lose somebody, this is, again, a hard conversation, but an important one that most people, frankly, appreciate you asking because they recognize that if, um, you know, we all wish we had better answers today for TBI, PTSD, CT, and we have some answers. But if we're going to get better answers in the future, we have to do the do the work, and that means, you know, again, I'm pledging my my brain. I was I was pledge number one, you know, when we started this 13 years ago, um, and I hope others, you know, join me so that again, people are hurting out there, and we want to give them better answers. If somebody wants to get on that list that you talked about for brain health, can they do that through your website? Yes, concussionfoundation.org. Yes. Concussionfoundation.org, projectenlist.org. That'll they'll get you where you need to go. Or the Brain Health newsletter will also right. Have, yeah, the, the, yeah, it's somewhere in that's there. coming. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, it may not be out there yet. So I appreciate yeah, it. Sign up sheet somewhere. All right, um, I have one one last question that I didn't get to ask you about, and that is in your research. Um, is there a pharmacological aspect to the research as well? I mean, is it that you're looking at the brains and you're trying to understand um, CTE and this degenerative disease and how it's impacting different behaviors and, and what's happening in the brain? But is there also a layer to it of how can we treat this for the people who are currently su suffering with it? But that That's why we're, we're so hell-bent on learning how to diagnose it. So basically, big pharma and biotech are sitting on the sideline because if you're them, without a diagnostic for CTE, if you tried to tr develop a drug for CTE, you'd have to recruit hundreds of patients. And right now they can't be sure they have CTE. So if you're investing, you know, a, neuro a neurological drug costs a billion dollars, at least start to finish. It would be, you'd be crazy to bet that billion dollars on a recruitment strategy for patients that may not have the disease. Right. So what, it wouldn't be that the drug doesn't work. You would be that you may not have tested the right people. So the only way we'll open up the door to clinical trials to test how to treat this is through developing this diagnostic. And so that's why the, the brain bank's work is so important. Plus, uh, brain bank gives you insights into mechanism. Right. So we're identifying in, inflammatory molecules that are appearing, you know, how, how the brain responds to trauma short-term and long-term. And basically it gives you targets for, oh, if we had a drug that could do this, we would stop CT here. Or if we had a drug like this, we could stop CT this part of the process. So, um, so yes, this is all, this is all about, I mean, the reality is for, for tau based neurodegeneration, which CT Alzheimer's, some others, um, you really do need a, strong you need a pharmaceutical to change it right the, the the as much as we we want the uh what we call a disease modifying treatment right so there are, are symptom uh, symptomatic treatments and there's lots of symptomatic treatments from pharmaceutical therapy to meditation to all the other holistic things that you want to do but to actually stop the destruction of cells you need to put something in there thanks
Appreciate you joining us and telling us all this information is, uh, and all the work that you're doing to help save lives and enhance the quality of life in, in so many of our children and adults. Thank, no, thank you, so you so much. much really, Jennifer. really appreciate it, Chris. Thank yeah, you. Pleasure to meet you. Thanks for having hey, me. On. I'll talk to you soon. All right. To learn more about the Concussion Legacy Foundation, visit concussionfoundation.org. And to learn more about Project Enlist, visit projectenlist.org. Thank you, Chris, for taking the time to talk with me today and for all that you're doing. A special thanks to my friends who made this podcast possible and to the listeners out there. Thanks for giving me a chance and for your time. I find inspiring stories are all around. You just have to tune in. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you can be notified when a new one is posted. Rate and review this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for joining us today at Warrior's Day Off. This is Jen Eby. You got this.